It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everyone? Chris Manning here from the Locked On Cavs podcast with my co-host Evan Damerel. On today's show, Ricky Rubio is back, how and why in segment one. Why the Neto signing was needed for the Cavs, along with that, in segment two. In segment three, Robin Lopez may be too tall to ride the ride to Cedar Point, but certainly tall enough to play backup center for the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's coming up today. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. All right, I'm Chris Manning, covering the Cavs and the NBA for places like Diamond Up Rocks and Explanations Fear the Sword. My co-host Evan, is Evan Damrell, primarily at Facebook's Right Down Euclid. Evan, just like the Garland news we discussed in July 5.1, the Rubio news is something I covered in the live reaction it on Saturday. So I'm going to ask you just at the top here, what is your reaction to Ricky Rubio coming back to the Cavs on a three-year deal for a chunk of the mid-level exception, the third year of that is partially non-guaranteed. What's your Rubio reaction? There was a little bit of sticker shock value when you look at the whole contract itself, but like when Chris Fieber reported that the last year of his contract, I believe he's either partially or <clears> not full. This, this, Chris, this Chris also did it, just to be clear. That, I want, that, I want the, credit that on the this one. final just year of the clear. contract is not fully guaranteed. You reported that too? Read my... At Fear the Sword, buddy. It's in there. Let's go. Well... Shouts to Chris Manning instead. We, we we support Kings wearing his crown on the show right now, but I didn't know about that. I knew about the number value. I was like, oh, that's a lot of money. I was doing the math. I'm like, ah, oh, 6.14 million if you divided it evenly over three. Like That that obviously eats up your <clears throat> non-taxpayer mid-level exception that you have. Granted, the cast... Well, part, 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 big chunk of it. Big chunk yeah. of it. That's why I said eats up. It's just that he eats up part of it, but... Obviously, we'll see how the Cavs kind of navigate that situation as a whole. Like, they could still be a sign trade possibility. We're posting this episode prior to when all these moves are announced, and obviously it can expand, but nothing has been reported at this point. So let's just assume Rubio is eating up that exception, and then you are moving forward with him. And I think it makes sense. I think it definitely makes more sense when you add Raul Neto into the fold. He's a player I'm a fan of and also is a lot more serviceable than Kevin Pangos, too, just as a quality third backup point third string backup backup point guard that you can kind of let run the offense and hone things for 10 15 minutes a night until Rubio's right and healthy and then you see where you're at with Ricky you bring him along slowly help him clear out some of the rust keeping Neto in the fold then you slowly phase Neto out of the rotation and you give him Rubio's minutes and then you get really freaky with it and can see what you can do with him and Garland side by side and see if you can really kind of capitalize on that magic you had last season but I like the Rubio signing. I think it's paramount for the Cavs. You find a solid quality backup for Darius Garland, and 
it was clear that Ricky Rubio was overperforming um, his role for the Cavs. Like he was could have been a quality starting guard in the league last season. But the Cavs were using him as a reserve, and that kind of have that maybe not at the full capacity just because of health concerns. It's pretty much a win if you're Cleveland. If you have Rubio playing 15, 20 minutes a night, I talked I talked about this with Mac Robinson as well on July 4th. But let's say since it's a three year deal. Uh, year one, he's going to be Rubio's backup. Maybe you bring in like a younger guard because I had to check this. They have the 45th pick in the 2023 NBA draft. Theoretically, at this point, it's their own second rounder. So wherever that ends up, that's where they take a player. Let's say they'd get a point guard, put him on a two-way deal, let him develop with the charge. But you also let Rubio have him be in his ear when he's on that two-way deal and traveling with the Cavs as well. And he kind of, Rubio mentors him and fosters conducive, healthy growth there. Eventually, you want to have a contingency plan to take over for Rubio to be Garland's backup because Garland's so young and obviously going to be hopefully with the Cavs long term on his contracts. But for now, it's a good bridge gap into hopefully leading into another younger guard to back up Garland. But for now, it's it's the right move. Uh, like I said, there were some initial st- sticker shock value when it comes to the price tag. But when you break down the numbers, break down what he gave you, break down what he was last year, and considering his current status health wise, like a six point one ish million is a pretty decent price to pay for Ricky Rubio. Yeah, I, I didn't have like a ton of sticker shock for me just because like I think like if you're not using the full MLE and you're getting him at this, that's fair. And, like, they're, the last, they're not paying him ten million annually. That's that's the thing. Yeah, and, like, it, I think it's very clear that, like, once DeLon Wright got above the MLE, once Tyus Jones got 15 a year to go back to Memphis, like, this was kind of where the market was going. And, like, I think getting him for six, Rubio like, makes a ton of Thanos sense. sitting on the pile of rubble. Yeah, just it's like... Tossing rocks yeah. around in his hand. Yeah, Your so, like, I... I back to me. Yeah, and I, and I think that note about maybe finding a, a, a younger point guard via the draft in the future is not a bad option. Like, maybe a second rounder next year, maybe a UDFA that you really like. Um, on a two-way, I think like maybe that guy you want to get also get that guy games in in with the charge, but you figure that out as you go, and I, I think that makes a ton of sense. I think it's very clear um, from asking about this and stuff that like <laughs> they very much just like valued having Ricky the, the the person Ricky Rubio in the building as much as the guy on the, the court the, the and like the re- are immaculate. Well, and, like the the reaction he got from guys like Darius on social and Deed Wade and like oh, and a bunch of guys like it was very clear that this was a guy that I think the organization value and like that was very clear from the reporting leading up to frequency when it was like hey the Cavs is blinking on late plane is bringing back Ricky Rubio and like that I think that ended up being clear I, I think the other part about this that we have to note um is that this deal while well, you're listening to this it, it could may or may not have been officially announced yet uh, this is going to come out like late July 5th early July 6th mm-hmm. these signings cannot be officially announced until July 6th the Cavs, uh, with these signings that we're going to talk about, the NATO one and then the Lopez one, and this, do fill up the roster to bring back Colin Sexton. They will have to fill out a, to clean out a roster spot. I will note uh, that I had said previously on the show that I about the sign-in trade like, wouldn't make sense and why it would hard keep you. I kind of think I was actually kind of wrong about that. Um, if they're going to bring back Rubio from Indiana, if they could send out Jetty Osmond or Dylan Windler, and if I wonder if Indiana would like want a future fake second or something to kind of grease the wheels there, like sure, that would create the roster space. That would allow you to bring him back in. You're not gonna get up to the the that hard cap anyway if you're not paying the tax. So like I just want to say I brushed that off more than I actually should, but it's a very logical way for Rubio to come back, do a sign and trade, um, send back 
Osmond, I think, would make a lot more sense just to create to create clear the most room under the cat the tax as possible. Uh, I, I said the you as you explained it to me. That is a lousy wedding gift from the Cavs. Hey, Jenny, congrats on getting married. Trading you to Indianapolis. Well, I mean, the th- yeah, the thing is that like they they've already like. This could have been communicated way before the fact, yeah, the, but like, as yeah, it's coming do, out publicly, you're like, man, that stinks. Yeah, and it's like the order of operation of this is sort of like unclear to me. It's like, will, like, when I talked to people about it, it was like the MLE at the last year is not guaranteed, but like the signature didn't really come up, but like it makes a lot of sense as like a way to give yourself some flexibility. This deal, again, I don't know if you can, you're not going to expect Rubio to like play until 2023. Like he's probably not going to play until you get past the new year, just mm-hmm. based on when he tore his ACL. But you play the long game here. And if you really believe in the the power of the person as well, I I totally get this. All right. After the That's break deep. though, we're going to talk about, Steve. yeah, we're, I'm a people person. All right. After the break, we're going to talk about how will Neto, um, the Cavs point guard, they're bringing in a favorite of one of their assistants, Antonio Lang, but and how he's going to really replace Rubio in the meantime and why these two signings almost had to happen together. But Evan, you're going to tell everyone first about our friends at Arcade One Up. Absolutely. Boom shakalaka. We've got big news. The one, the only NBA Jam is back. Arcade One Up, the leader in at-home retro arcade games, is not only bringing back the best game ever, but they're bringing it back bigger than ever with a, wait for it, Shack Edition machine. People are obsessed with NBA Jam, and I'm thrilled to tell our listeners that you can once again play with NBA legends in this arcade classic. Jump clear across the court and set the ball on fire in one of the first sports games ever to feature real and digitized NBA licensed teams. No fouls, no free throws, and no quarters required. Compete with friends and family through all new Wi-Fi leaderboards, making you more connected than ever before. Pre-order now from ArcadeOneUp.com. That's Arcade, the number one, up.com for an estimated early September ship date. Arcade 1UP is the place for fun. They've got even more classics like Golden D, Mortal Kombat, and many others just starting at $3.99. Check this out. They're also giving me an NBA Jam Shack Edition to a locked-on listener. Enter for a chance to win a game console for your man cave at arcade1up.com slash locked on. That's arcade, the number one, up.com slash locked on. Hurry, you've only got till July 8th to enter to win the NBA Jam Shack Edition console. Don't miss out. Enter today. Who are you going to play with? No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. All right, back here in Lockdown Cavs. I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Damrell. Uh, be sure to check out the other Cleveland shows, the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show, Lockdown Browns, Lockdown Guardians. Go check those out today. Support your local Lockdown podcast. All right. Uh, how will Nato, Evan? Shout out to Carter Riggs for sending me the video the Sixers posted when Nato was there on how to pronounce his name. Brazilian Portuguese is tricky. How so shout out to Carter. I didn't know that. How will? Hmm. Yeah, Card- Brazilian Portuguese. Tricky. And guess what? Who's called him Raul a bunch on the live show? This guy. I was going to point him right. myself just in general. I've been calling him Raul Neto because I've been saying 
I've been banging this drum for many moons now. <laughs> like the Cavs yeah, just it, need to grab someone like this. Yes. So bringing him back or bringing him in, excuse me, as Rubio is probably not going to play until the calendar turns to 2023. Evan, I think was totally necessary. I think you needed another veteran ball handler. It's clear the organization valued this dating back to them trading for Rubio last season. So getting one on a minimum deal here, it makes a lot of sense. I think this, in theory, gives you real cover to take it slow with Rubio as he comes off an ACL. I will note that he is listed at 6'1", so like he's not going to give you that bigger guard play yeah. that was so key with Rubio a year ago. I don't know if you're going to like really successfully able to play him, you know, with a Ruby with Garland, you know, with Consex, and he nah. comes back. But like this, this is like a stopgap to give you a veteran ball handler to turn to. It makes a lot of sense in theory. He, we talked about Tyus Jones a while back, just in regards to how like Jones really can't give you the ability for to put it like a guard who plays bigger next to Garland and just the defensive mismatches, at least compared to Rubio and DeLon, right? Um, Neto is kind of in a similar regard to Jones in that case, where like he's a smaller guard, but he's a good table setter. And I think ideally you pair him next to Ochai Abaji, you pair him next to Isaac Okoro, you put him next to Colin Sexton, sorry, yeah, Colin Sexton as well if he's back, but also Kevin Love, and you get really creative with what you're doing lineup wise and rotation wise. Robin Lopez too, who we'll talk about a little bit in the final segment, but. <clears throat> He is a lot better. I tell myself this. He's a lot better of an option than Kevin Pangos was last season, where Kevin Pangos just clearly looked overwhelmed playing the NBA game versus just the fact that he's more of a seasoned guard. He's played well with the Wizards. He's played well with the Sixers. Like, you're not going to be expecting a ton out of him. He's your third-string point guard. But until Rubio's healthy, until Rubio's right, like he's not going to look completely overwhelmed and overtaken by the moment. And also kind of gives you that luxury where – Early into the season, as guys are kind of easing back into things, you don't have to ask a ton more out of Garland to maybe win you games at times because you have just like a solid, competent option coming off the bench for you and just providing you solid point guard play and allows you instead to rest Garland at times, which I think is a, another win in itself too. But also like on back-to-backs, what if you want to rest Garland and you start Ruby instead? Neto is not a bad bench point guard to kind of like just call his number and say like, all right, Howl tonight is your night in order to uh, get out there. I had to check the pronunciation one last time so I don't disrespect uh, Cavaliers assume point guard Howl Neto. It's yeah. I mean, it, I'm like yeah. un, I have to unlearn like, so many times of saying his name right now, so I'm gonna be really catching myself for a bit. It's very fair. The, the I mean, like you also could see Rubio, like maybe he doesn't play back to backs when he comes back. Nato could step in there and play. Like it, it, it's it's a guy that I think gives you depth in that he's, position. He's I think an upgrade, multifaceted in that regard. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, like, look, I like I think if you look at um, like the if there's a theme, Evan, to me of like this signing and the Robin Lopez signings, it's like. Oh, I love we the like kind of need the Rolo signing, but go ahead. Well, it's like we need like upgrades over Moses Brown and Brandon Goodwin. Yeah, that's a really good way. Like to that put is it. very clearly that's, they're that's just a, like that's an excellent way to put it. Like yeah, Garland. Like I talked about it in the Garland uh, celebration episode, Moses Brown looked good, but like there were reasons why Brandon Goodwin and Moses Brown were available and getting quality depth veteran pieces and kind of just banking on your internal development and growth of all these key younger guys is mm-hmm. probably the way to go about it if you're Cleveland. Maybe it's not the ideal way if you're observing this. Maybe like you want to be more aggressive at times. I'm sure the Cavs were in conversations and trying to be aggressive at times, but 
it's a, the smart functional way is to have your third death piece be like a pretty quality veteran who's obviously in the twilight of their career but like Neto, Lopez, guys like that make a lot more sense than Brandon Goodwin Moses Brown, even RJ Nemhard or even Kevin Pangos again I keep mentioning him but like Pangos was a rookie who was yeah. just not equipped <laughs> to handle starting minutes yeah, in the did NBA not. or bench yeah. minutes in the NBA yeah, like they went for like the the older veteran guy in that sense too, was the back of the room, and it just didn't work. And then like this, you're hoping would work. So just on, on his numbers from last year with the Wizards, seventy games, nineteen point six minutes per game, uh, seven point five points, three point one assists, shot twenty nine uh, twenty nine point two percent from three, forty six point three percent from the field. I think that three point number is just the key to watch here. So like he's a career thirty six point six percent shooter from three. He was at thirty nine cent thirty nine percent, excuse me, the year before last. I think the hope Evan would have to be that last year was just a weirdo blip for whatever reason. And like this is one of those things like I would want to ask like okay what happened with your shot last year? Like just pick his brain about that because like you'll need him to stick some open threes and stuff if he's if he's gonna play and like if you're ever if if you are at times gonna have to like try to play him you know number one him and if he's gonna play off of Levert like you would hope he can he's gonna need to stick threes to make that work number two if you're hoping he can play with maybe Sexton for stretches if Sexton's back or with Garland for stretches like hitting some threes off ball and hitting spot up threes and being a, a spacer to some degree will be something he'll kind of need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would watch that and let's see what his, that that's like, I guess like if we're looking at a risk here, it's like, I think the defensive kind of, you're not going to get that Rubio defensive um, upside, which makes sense. It's a minimum contract. This isn't like a DeLon Wright or anything mm-hmm. who you're going to pay like real, I commit some real money to. And then also like, does this, does the, was last year's three point dip just a one year thing? Or is that like a sign that his shot is falling off for some reason? I think you absolutely have to hope that that's not the case. Otherwise, like you're, it becomes harder to play him if he's not making threes. No, I think that is a fair question. I, I do think part of it might be the Wizards were leaning on him a lot more last season just because of their situation. Like his usage rate weird was team. Weird insanely team. Weird high team. last season. Weird team. It, weird, odd team in general. But like the year prior when he's backing up Russell Westbrook, he had a usage percentage of about 15.8%, and he was connecting on 39% of his three-pointers. So if you find that healthy balance where – he because he's equipped to play fast too. Like the Wizards were a team that played fast under Scott Brooks. I I don't know how they're what they were for pace last season. I'll look at it now. But like they were, they're they're a team that likes to play fast. And oh, so they were almost dead last in the league last year. So maybe that's the other odd thing too. Is just like there's interesting ways the Cavs could utilize this. But again, I keep circling back to this. They got a quality veteran option behind Rubio and Garland, mm-hmm. so that. It gives them the luxury to rest their players, especially down the stretch run or maybe during these games where, like, you're playing, like, the Orlando Magics of the world. And you're like, all right, we're going to give Darius and Ricky the night off. This might be a scheduled loss just because of who we're getting the night off. But, like, we can put Raul in as either the starter or let him be the backup. And then you just kind of let the ball. You let RJ Nemhard maybe play if he's up. You let Karis Levert and Colin Sexton, if Sexton comes back, soak up those relief guard minutes. Like, there's avenues to do this, but bolstering the depth behind Darius Garland was like one of my biggest things that the Cavs needed to accomplish this offseason, and they more than did that by bringing in Rubio and Neto. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. All right, after the break, we're going to talk about another signing that seems to make a lot of sense, and that's Robin Lopez at backup center. But first, going to tell everyone about our friends at Bill Bar. From the people who invented healthy and tasty, that's bold, comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing coconut brownie chunk Bill Bar, but guess what? Your friends at Bill have given coconut brownie chunks the puff 
treatment. Get it? Treatment? Yeah. You get it? Treatment? It's pretty good. That's oh, right. Now the I coconut. Really get it. You yeah, I really got to hammer that home. Yeah. The right. That's right, though. The b- coconut brownie chunk built bar flavor you love in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered 100% real chocolate form into like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. That's pretty great. Coconut brownie b- chunk puffs are, that's a mouthful, are only here for a limited time. Go to built.com now to make sure you don't miss out. They're going fast because they taste amazing. All built bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. The best part about built puffs is they taste amazing, of course, but you can enjoy them guilt free because they're actually good for you. They are the perfect treat, perfect when you've got a craving, you need to satisfy your sweet tooth, or you need a quick, healthy snack. They are ex- they are also an excellent source of protein. Delicious coconut, rich, sweet brownie, creamy marshmallow. Stop fantasizing. Get to built.com to order your box of built coconut brownie chunk built puffs right now. Wow. Go to built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCK15. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, Evan, last segment. Mm-hmm. Talk about Robin Lopez. I just talked a lot. That ad read was was just like a, a coconut brownie chunk built puff. That was a mouthful of an ad read. It was, it was light was. but filling, that ad read. Light but, yeah, it was a lot. So I'm going to ask you, Don't what do you think about Robin Lopez? Folks. Cavs bringing him in just 34 I mean, look, you know, just industrial natures over there. But he's 34, been in the league a while, um, has been on some good teams, with, was with the Magic most recently. What I, do you make of I Robin think Lopez it's a good pick up for the Cavs. The Again, you look at Moses Brown, you look at Taco Fall, who got serious minutes for the Cavs. Like, I think Robin Lopez is an upgrade on Ed Davis just in terms of what's available, maybe left in the tank at this point in his career. He gives you some interesting things. Like, he can be a little stretchier. He can provide a little bit of spacing. He's not like his brother Brooke in terms of just being like a Splash Mountain situation. But I have always been a fan of Robin Lopez. I've, I I like the fact that he's just kind of like embraced being a bit of a meme at times. Or like, he has the beefs with mascots across the league. He <laughs> is unapologetically himself with comic books. Like, I, I really hope you get to ask him questions about like his comic. Wait, wait. Oh, I you, I, sw- I I swear that I number one I need locker room access just so I can like I yeah. hope they bring it back just so I can be like Robin like can we just talk about like your your like reading habits like what are you reading right now do you have a pull list like what's the vibe number two did you see the f- this is like an old photo that kind of got brought back up on Twitter but friend of the program Jimmy Longo had that photo uh, of like DG talking I think Serena Winners yeah. on the court and in yeah the I've, background, seen, I've seen that Lopez, one and like, then like when I posted on it for Fear the Sword. 
I literally typed Robin Lopez Cavaliers mascot, and then there's one of Moondog chasing him across the court. I'm like, this is perfect. So, yeah. Well, and then like there was the whole thing where like there's a when I did when I was looking this up mm-hmm. when it happened like the Moondog went and like bribed Robin Lopez with like popcorn or Brook Lopez excuse it's me. It's funny. When, it's like, funny. After he had had beef he's, with Robin, like there's but like, like all accounts it's not just funny I just, like, for like the fans. I'm really intrigued by that. I also just guard. by all yeah, accounts he's a like, good locker room dude too. Like he willingly went to yeah. the Orlando Magic last year, which was a losing situation. Yeah. And he was a positive impact locker room guy for a lot of those players, and I think if you have Isaiah Mobley, who's yeah. probably going to be a part of the Cavs' long-term plans. You have Evan Mobley. You have Jared Allen. You have, like, these young guys. Having a veteran who's been there before, who has played on, like, a serious team like the Bucks for that one season with his brother or, like, has had an extended career at this point starting all the way back, like, in the 2008-2009 season with Phoenix. Like, he's been around. He's traveled. He's seen some things. Like, he could be... Like, he's the goofy guy who can kind of, like, bring the locker room together, kind of like a Channing Fry. I'm not saying this is a championship thing, but, like, he's able to maybe keep the Cavs honest and maybe help them deal with the pressure, too. But also, like, again, like, Neto, if Allen was out or if Mobley was out, just, you know, knock on wood that neither of them are, you're not going to have a guy who's too overwhelmed. You're obviously, like, Ed Davis was leaned on heavily, but like I said, like, I think Lopez has just a little bit more in the tank compared to Davis, even though they're relatively the same age, but... I think there's something here, and I was like, yeah, this is a good signing one. I got the confirmation from his agent that, like, hey, Robin's going to come to Cleveland. And I'm just like, oh, cool, that's actually a really good signing for the Cavs. Like, they, I, I like that acquisition for them because, like, it's positive on many fronts. And I think, I mean, Chris Fedor pointed this out, but, like, J.D. Bickerstaff kind of harping that they're looking for positive impact guys through, like, this offseason process. Like, I think Lopez definitely checks the bill in that regard. Yeah, he's 34. He's been around, knows what he's doing. He's also at, he's listed at seven feet, 281 pounds. Ed Davis is six nine, two eighteen. Um, this is like just a bigger veteran option, like to fill that same kind of role. He's also not Moses Brown, who like was a lob threat, but very foul prone, very limited. It's like very clear that they looked at what they saw, and like similarly with the backup point guard spot. I think after the Rubio injury, it's like we need stability. We need guys we can kind of trust here and like there's obviously some downsides to that but like this is minimum contract stuff i think this makes a ton of sense like i i, I mean you look at the end of the year it's like you, your center play quality dropped off so so high so from a high level to a pretty level once jared allen got hurt you're you're obviously not gonna keep that same level of play here if lopez has to step in for allen but like you're hoping that drop off is just a little less severe as you're going forward evan i think mm-hmm. the other thing to note about this that i think is interesting yeah is that lopez is signed to a one-year deal and Isaiah Mobley is on a two-way deal. Isaiah Mobley, obviously, younger brother of Evan Mobley, second-round pick, but center, obviously. Mm-hmm. What I think they know here, when I would guess, I would just just kind of suss this out a little bit. Mo- Lopez is not going to be their backup yeah. center yes. option forever. It's like maybe very possible, if not likely. This is just a one-year thing, right? Maybe two, maybe two right? Like This oh, is no, not going to no. be a thing where, like, Uh, 38-year-old Robin Lopez is is playing center for the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? What I think that you would hope to do here, probably not. What you'd hope to do here, it would seem to me, is you say, okay, we have Isaiah Isaiah Mobley on a two-way deal this year. We can develop him with a charge. He can spend some time in in the NBA if we kind of need him to, but we would really like to get him time with Dan Giroux and the folks with the Cleveland charge, get him game time, get him developed, have him around us some. 
learn from um, mm -hmm. Robin when he can and stuff. If Robin's kind of open to that stuff, and but get him developed. You really make this a big development gap year kind of thing for Isaiah. And then if Rob, if if you feel like he has progressed enough this year from what you see internally, from what you see in the G League, all that mm -hmm. stuff, maybe you have the you can then have the inside track to sign him to be a, mm -hmm. a backup for Allen come 2023, 2024 when he's on his way up. You could probably get him a multi year deal. The Cavs love signing those guys off of multi year deals. Like there's some logic to this. It's like we I think one of the things I really put them to task for in the draft, and I still think there's some validity to it, was like kind yep. of punting on development. Now that we've seen them sign Robin Lopez. And then you see that Isaiah really Mobley is officially on two-way, which I think was Isaiah always Mobley. the plan. In, in theory, yes. In theory, of course. Like, you like, have a development plan here to fill that I don't think he'd be bad, necessarily. Issue. I think him consistently being a solid player. In theory, in theory. We should say in theory. Because, like, like, Isaiah could be bad. Like, whatever. And, like, why he was a second-round pick. Like, we just don't know. Like, we just don't know. That, like, the Cavs let him know pretty early that they were going to draft him. So, like, that really wasn't – that's why he kind of shut things down. But – Mobley was asked like long term because he's obviously going to be starting things at the charge during summer league media availability. Like, what do you want your expected role to be? And he's like, I just want to back up Jared Allen and my brother. I want to provide shooting. I want to provide some like connected playmaking. I want to provide rebounding, but mostly backing up Jared Allen and my brother. And I think he may not be ready right now for the NBA. Like, I think a lot of people are saying like, oh, they're just going to sign him to an actual contract and let him play in reserve. Like, I think it was smart using this two-way deal for a guy who has some potential to grow and develop and let him learn from his mistakes under Dan Giroux and the charge and everyone else down there. And like, it makes it more interesting. It makes it more entertaining. But like, yeah, like you said, you approach this next year and you sign him to the Lamar Stevens or Dean Wade-like contracts where there's obviously team options down the line but you keep him in house you keep him on a cheap deal and like this is something you and i are advocating like utilizing second round picks and then utilizing the charge which you dragged up from canton to your backyard in cleveland or right next door in cleveland so you can develop guys utilize it properly so you have like these quality depth pieces that are maybe like not great but they're good enough that they can play 10 15 minutes or if you ask them to play legitimate minutes they're not going to be overwhelmed because one they're familiar with your system two they're comfortable playing at the nba level and three more than anything you kind of have invested time and energy into it like this is a smart way to go about it the heat have done this for a while like you saw a lot of their guys just kind of go through that system and they continue to do so i think this is just a smart way to do things and having guys who can be plug and play options long term are smart but like signing guys like robin lopez alleviates the pressure of maybe having to lean on isaiah mobley so much in his rookie season and giving him the runway to, to go develop with the charge instead No, I thought I thought the Neto signing was Neto. That's what I that's what I put on for the sword when I posted yeah, it. Evan, but, any um, final thoughts I, here I'm, before I'm, we we end for the day? I don't think the Cavs are like you know knocking out of the park. I they were never in the Dejounte Murray conversation. Like they're not going to trade for Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving or like do like any of those big moves. And this is prior to Sham saying that the Nets are now operating in the inception. Kyrie and Katie will be back, but the Cavs are making smart, logical moves that upgrade the margins of this roster and have navigated just kind of an untenable situation roster-wise and financially to have a pretty solid offseason so far. The Sexton Domino is going to be the biggest one that falls still at this point, but we'll just see where it goes from there. But until now, the Cavs are a pretty solid team, and I'm not a huge advocate of running it back, but I'm also willing to be proven wrong because I was also very down on this Cavs year team last year heading into it, and they kind of came out the gate storming, and now adding some quality veteran depth might help balance things out so they're actually able to get over that hump and get in the playoffs.
yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, July 6th is the day these deals can obviously can be officially announced and signed. We'll see what they announce and, and how this all sort of shakes out with the structure of the roster. Now, for your second listen today, uh, to get the latest news and rumors in the NBA in just 30 minutes, that's with Locked On NBA. Locked On NBA is your daily NBA right update in just 30 minutes or less. Check them out today. The Wednesday show was great. It's got Jake Madison and John Corrales, so go check them out. 2J is it's great stuff. All right. But I'm Chris. That's Evan. We'll be back more with Lockdown Cavs in our next episode. Oh, we're going to prep you for Summer League that begins Friday. We're going to get you acclimated with some of the notable guys on the roster. And again, because it's the day for agency deals can't officially get done, we're going to react to some of that in a little bit more detail and see what kind of shakeout the roster happens. And we'll update you mm-hmm. if anything with Colin Sexton happens, which is pretty quiet enough right now. But July 6th feels like a date where that process could get moved in a different direction, at least somewhat. But until then, I'm Chris. That's Evan. Be well. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.